0: Welcome back to the 76 Capital Sports Leadership Show. My name is Wayne Kimmel, Managing Partner of 76 Capital, the sports tech venture capital company. And on this show today, we are going to do something special. We've got Pete. Yes, Pete is back from Chickies and Pete's. And we are not only going to run this episode back, but we are also going to share with you the really exciting news that 76 Capital Sports advisory business that's led by Dan Bravato, its president, and 76 Capital Sports Advisory Strategic Advisor, John Page. Yes, the John Page that was president of Spectre Venue Management and president of the Wells Fargo Center. How we have actually started to work with Chickies and Pete's to help them expand and support their overall nationwide growth strategy to get into more stadiums and arenas. What does that mean? That means more world-famous crab fries for everybody outside of not only in Philly, Atlantic City, Las Vegas, Minneapolis, Kansas City, and more. That's where it's going to all go. And hopefully, our team at 76 Capital Sports Advisory is going to help them do that. I know that Dan and John are really excited about working with Pete and Roger and the whole team at Chickies and Pete's as this really exciting partnership comes together to really help Chickies and Pete's grow on a nationwide strategy. So with that, let's get back and let's get to this episode with Pete, who does an amazing job of telling the story, the origins of Chickies and Pete's and all the things that he's gotten to do over the years as he's built Chickies and Pete's restaurant and sports bar. Enjoy. Pete, welcome to our show.
1: Wayne, thanks for having me. I'm honored. What an introduction. I hope I fill the shoes that you're expecting me to fill. What's happening?
0: You've certainly done amazing things in your career, um, in the the hospitality industry, the restaurant industry. You've owned sports teams. You've been involved in the the Philly sports scene in so many different ways. And and I'm really excited to have you you share your story with our audience at 76 Capital to tell all the things that you've done over your career. So what we do on the show is we start off with your backstory. And I love your backstory. And I know I certainly know it, but I'd love it and some of the people in the Philadelphia area certainly have heard your story. I'd love to hear your story growing up in Philly.
1: Uh, Well, you know what, first of all, again, I say thanks because a lot of people have uh, been on this stage besides myself and they were very, high-level people, so to be picked to come on your show, I am honored. Um, Northeast Philly guy, grew up in Northeast Philadelphia, the only Italian in the neighborhood, uh, and, and uh, just enjoyed going to Northeast High School. Uh, as far as education went, that was about where it stopped. It, when, I, when I was growing up, it was like, where, where can you get a job at? And uh, college wasn't an opportunity for me like it wasn't even an opportunity. My father was in, had in the deli business. He was like, you'll go, you'll go to work. You know, you'll come to meet with me. You'll go to work. You'll learn something. And, uh, and I did learn something obviously. Um, but so that's where the end of my education went, which I still regret because I always, you know, my children are in college now and or fraternities and, and just to hear what they do and how much fun they have, it sort of makes me jealous. But besides that, it's so much more difficult for me to, to get through a contract or something else because I don't have the education. You know, I, do I now to work hard? Yeah. Do I know what I'm doing in restaurant business? I think so. You know, have I been lucky? Very much. So, as far as my background, that's where it starts and, and, and ends. As far as education goes.
0: Well, how about from a, a, a personal or even from a sports perspective? Growing up, did you play sports? Did you? Love sports, you have teams that you love. You know, it's funny to say
1: that. Um, I love all sports, but as a kid, I had a problem with my eyesight. So today, they have goggles, they have contact lenses, they have different things that you could wear to, to cover, make that up, make it up. Well, I only had those Clark Kent glasses, and they were heavy. And they were, and they if they broke, you couldn't get them fixed for like maybe two weeks without glasses. And it was sort of embarrassing. Four eyes, you know, they would call me, and so the only thing I could really play well was football. So football is what I love. So I played varsity football in Northeast High School, and I'm, you know, could have continued probably playing football a little bit, um, although not a star, that's for sure. But I was the defensive lineman, and how tough is that? Guy's got the ball, he's running towards you, you grab him from the ground. So that was a sport that I could play. I could play it good because I did have like a mean streak. so I was good at being aggressive and good at playing football. So that that's the only sport that I really mastered. Um, and that's what I did through high
0: school. Well what about you know also so you played defensive line in football. Yeah. certainly I mean i'm I'm sure that was 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 great to be part of a team. And, and that whole camaraderie, I mean, you probably, did you have a certain coach or someone that you really, you know, looked up to or, or looked up to or, or was a great mentor of yours?
1: Well, I had no great mentors that were coaches. I only had a few coaches. I mean, they were both great guys and they were, they were men's men. You know, back then they were, they were, you could hear my coach screaming at me from, he was up in the booth. And I was down on the field and he wasn't, and you could hear him like he like he was on the PA system screaming it when I was making mistakes, which was pretty, happened a lot. Um, I had no men- my mentors in life would probably just be like my father who taught me everything I know because I learned it through his deli and our grocery store, our family uh, store. And, uh, and when I say deli, I'm talking corner deli, Philadelphia, Robbins Avenue, Frankfurt Avenue, little tiny place. You know, you put 12 people in there, you can't move. Um, And my Uncle George and Uncle Bo, I was tight with all three of them. And uh, my Uncle George sort of knew the the bar business. Um, I did not. My father did not. When we opened Chickie and Pete's, it was already an existing bar. There was no, none of us had any experience. Not whatsoever. So my father says to me, what do you think? Wally's is going out of business. What do, you, what do you think we should do? He wants to sell it to me. What do you know about the bar business? I'm like 19, 18 at the time. I said I know how to drink. He goes, anything else? I go, no, that's it. Drinking age in New Jersey at that point, 18 years old. You were sneaking in, 16 years old. Okay, so I already had a couple of years under my belt and a few belts in me, so I knew. I just had to sell it to my mom, who's chicky. A lot of people don't know that, and. Uh, they, so chick, we go home to tell Chicky. listen, while well, is for sale, can we purchase it? Really? You know, she's like, no way. Your father drinks. He goes there every day. He's only going to drink more. So my father says to her, Chick, you know what? I hardly even eat any lunch meat. He said, I'm around it all the time. So if I'm around the booze all the time, I probably will stop drinking. He says, and you know what? I have an idea. We're going to give you top billing and call it Chickie and Pete's. She was flattered. So she's flattered. We wind up buying the place. It was a stand up bar, no seats. Everybody stood up. There was no seats allowed. There was no women allowed allowed in the bar in 1977. There was no women allowed. Still, it was an old time neighborhood place. And uh, yes, she was right. My father did continue to drink. He never got tired of that. But um, that's how we, we took the place over. And that's how it became something for me to do. I had no, no idea what I was doing. It took me eight years to number the tables. So I just got very fortunate. I was very lucky. I had a lot of mainline people that came in. Like all these people came from far away to drive to chicken piece to get the crabs. And it was like an hour wait, three-hour wait. It just happened. A lot of my friends were very helpful in that, in supporting me. Because it wasn't like you're from Bala, or you're from Ardmore and you're going to get drive to Robbins Avenue and Frankfurt Avenue. There's a, a lot of restaurants between here and there. Although it was the start of the restaurant revolution. So I was in on the first ground floor.
0: So you, you know, it's just, a, it's an incredible story. And I'm so excited to hear, you know, how the name came about. That's an incredible. Um, but,
1: but, you know, that's not, the, so I said Chicky and Pete and this is a pretty good story so this is good for people to listen to um it's actually if you look it says chickies with an s and pete's so my father we ordered a sign for the place and the sign's going to sit out front and it's it's we don't know what we're doing so we sort of branding back then you know it's a script sign it said chickies with an s and pete's with an s and it had like a a uh, maybe a not a wine glass, but perhaps a, a martini glass one there with a with an olive in it. It was yellow, red, and black because we thought that was bright. But I was back in the day of the lounges, so the sign comes and my father says the guy puts it up. My father's his friend of his all his life. He says Frank, what's with the sign? He goes hey Peter, you like the sign? Eh? He goes my father said no 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 Frank the sign I don't like the sign. It says Chickie's and Pete's. It's supposed to be chicken and Pete's. People are going to be driving by and saying, look at the sign. You spelled it wrong. You can't do that. He said, but the sign is up, Pete. What do you want me to do? My said, listen. He said, I can't have it like that. He said, what can I do to make it a good for you, Pete? I don't want to fight it with you, but I know a Chickie is your wife. It's a Chickie's place, and it's a pizza place. He goes, I'll give you... My father's a businessman, right? I'll give you, it was a $1,500 sign. He goes, I'll give you 500. Hey, beat, I got to order 500 into it, he says. He said, you got to help me out a little bit more. How about $1,000? My father says, no, we're going to have to keep answering this question. And, you know, why is it spelled that way? Well, anyway, they settled on 750 So for $750, we changed the name. And to this day, who, well, who knew it was going to be any bigger than a corner bar? Who knew you were going to have all these locations all over the place, around the country? You didn't know. So we still have to answer that. To this day, it wasn't—it was not it was not worth the 750. We should have just paid 1500, got the whole brand new sign, and have been happy with it. But uh, it's funny how things happen. And now it's Chickies and Pete's. And when I say Chickie and Pete's, they go, "You mean Chickies and Pete's?" So. Yeah, that's, that's the story of
0: the day. That's an amazing story. And we're so lucky to have you here, Pete, on our 76 Capital Leadership Series, the CEO of Chickies and Pete's Crab House and Sports Bar, a true entrepreneur, inventor, um, and, and founder of, of this um, incredible sports bar. So I got to ask you you know, you're a founder, you're a founder of these incredible fries. Yeah. Can you tell us, you tell us the story? of the crab fries.
1: <laughs> I got a lot of stories, but crab fry stories is, is, is an expensive one. It's a good one, you know, um, it's a fruit It's a very good story. I I ordered, again, uh, at the end of the season, we used to sell crabs. And that's why all the people from the main line would come. Um, so I ordered crab seasoning and I think I was like out the night before and I had to make my order. So I just ordered, this was in September. I just ordered what I ordered in August. All right. So which was a lot of seasoning. Now, the season ends beginning of September, mid-September, late September, back in those days. It wasn't like today. We fly him in from around the world, perhaps. Um, but the season sort of stopped at that point. People stopped eating them. It's like water rice type thing. Um, and I had this <laughs> and I had all this. Seed. My father saw this, the order come and he goes, Peter, what is with this order? I said, uh, what's wrong with it? said, you ordered too much seasoning. We'll have this, we're going to have to sit on the seasoning until next summer. I'm like, you know, Dad, I'm really sorry about that. I, I just made the same order as August. He goes, it's September. I said, I know. And I said, I'll, I'll get rid of it. I'll get rid of the seasoning. I'll do something with it. He goes, what are you going to do with it? So I started playing with French fries and sprinklings, making different seasonings up. Because we all, all our our paprikas or this or that, that, and we make up our own seasoning. We don't buy like a, a like a generic thing like an old bay or something like that. God forbid. But um, so I have this seasoning, and I start playing with it. And I would give the fries away to the customers when they came in every day. They're the same, we have regulars every day. So all these old guys would come in, drink beer, you know, spit whatever, and I would say, "What do you think of these fries? They're delicious." The next day, I would change it. I liked them better yesterday. And then I would work on it until I hadn't have a seasoning on a potato that no matter, if you notice, if you come to Chicken Pizza and anybody who watches this, at the stadiums, at the boardwalks, at the restaurants, there's, only, there's no plain fried crab fried. It's just crab fries. So they had to be good enough that nobody would refuse them. They couldn't be too spicy so kids could eat them. They they had to be spicy enough that adults would like them. And they would make you drink some beer. So it had to have a happy medium. So it took me a while of developing these fries. Now, in the meantime, my father sees me doing it, and he hears about me doing it. He comes in every day, like I said, and says, there's my son, Hollywood. He's going to reinvent French fries. I said, yeah. Dad, the people like them. He's like, why don't you make pot roast or something? Why don't you go in the kitchen and make like a prime rib, you know, and see if that'll sell. I go, dad, they really, they like these fries. I I think I have something here. We might have something here. So I do all these like Penn's landing dog and pony shows and offer these crab fries out. People are like crab fries. Where's the crab? I said, there's no crab for $2. I said, you want crab in it? Something. It's going to cost you $12. So he it it bothered him so much my mother would say, Peter, when you leave work, erase the word crab fries off the chalkboard. Because we had a chalkboard back then. Now they're in style again. But I mean, a chalkboard. And I she said, because your father drives him crazy. It's embarrassing. His friends made fun of him because your sons call him French fries crab fries. Well, unfortunately, my father passed when I was 30. Um, so he really never got to see any. More than one chicken and pizza. He didn't see the success of the crab fry. And uh, I'm sure he sees it from where he's at now, but he probably can't wait to see me. So he'd say, Yeah, you were right with them things, Hollywood. But he called me Hollywood and would like kill me. He would kill me. He would embarrass me all the time. Said, There he is. My son want to reinvent French fries. Well, we, we tried our best. And to this day, it's a number one product in. The stadiums in uh, at Wells Fargo Center at the Philadelphia Phillies games and at the Link, there's more crab fry sold at the Link, at Chickie and Pete's than any other food product in any other sport or any stadium in the entire country. So there's more dollars spent on my my stuff than any other place in the country.
0: That's absolutely amazing, and then yes, I mean you you did it. You did it with fries. You, you truly reinvented the fries. Got lucky, man. So, what was it like when you? So, you know, being first of all earlier in the in the conversation, you talked about water ice, which I love because yeah, yeah. we both pronounce it as Philadelphians water, like W O O, and and but at the same time, you know, going back a little bit when you brought in your crab fries into the veteran stadium where the Phillies and the Eagles played. What was that like there? Cause I'll, I'll tell you personally being at the games and just getting your fries and then having the cheese freeze during games, the cold games and having to dip the fries in the cheese was the greatest thing ever.
1: You got to eat faster. <laughs> you eat faster. It doesn't freeze. Right. You know, when I got cold. um, it's a Friday night at Chickie and Pete's. It's in April uh, or, or uh, end of March. And I get a phone call. And the guy's from Aramark. And he says to me, we want to put crab, your fries, crab fries, and a chicken and pizza inside um, the Veteran Stadium. I'm like, what, "What? you're calling me today? It was, it was Good Friday. You know, for anybody who's Catholic understands Good Friday, it's like a seafood day. People have to eat seafood. The religion dictates you eat seafood, you know? So it's like Passover, you don't eat bread, you know, type thing. So it's the busiest freaking day for me because it's, I'm a seafood place. And I said, you're calling me on – I said, you want to talk to me? Call me next week. I said, I'm not going to give you an answer now, but that place is full of rodents. I hang up the phone. I get a phone call back the same night. Listen, can we send you over a contract? And we made a deal. Like I made some numbers up. And in the meantime, I, I, I come up with a number, which is a ridiculous number. And they say okay to it. I said, well, send me a fax. I'll have somebody take a look at it. So they sent me the fax. It was the kind of paper that rolls up, you know, one of those things. And I go down to my guys that work with me, the bartenders, and I said, you're not going to believe this. I just got a call from, from Veterans Stadium, from Aramark. They wanted me to take over this place called Winners where we used to hang at halftime, me and, me and all my friends went to the games together. They said, what? They want you to take over Winners? I said, Jay, he says, we'll never have to wait in line for a beer. I said, I never even thought of that. He goes, well, I'll be able to buy as many beers as we want. We should only let to buy two back then. I go, you're right. He said, you, you can't say no to this. I said, the place is rat infested." It's going to ruin my reputation. Well, they sort of talked me into it, and uh, I said okay to Aramark, and we've been great partners with them ever since. Now we're in every stadium, and other stadiums that are around the country. But it's it's how it happened was just a freak thing, and just how you answer the phone and how you negotiated in that last second that I was able to get the uh, to get them in the stadium, and. I never looked back and I think it was the greatest thing I ever did.
0: Well, it's incredible. And it's great to have you, you know, on our seventy-six capital leadership series. You know, Pete is not only, you know, just the, the founder and CEO of Chickies and Pete's Crab House and Sports Bar, but he's a true entrepreneur, inventor, and founder of the Crab Fries. So it's it's awesome to have you. Pete, you were gonna say something? So- yeah, I
1: was. I forgot to say it at the time, the reason they were so familiar with the crab fries to come to me in the first place was my wife was Eagles cheerleader. So she worked in the vet and she, after every game, she would bring all the cheerleaders to Chickie and Pete's, which I wasn't going to argue about. You know, you've had all these girls in green jumpsuits will come in every, after every home game and you know, they were hanging in your place. I mean, I'd let them drink for free. I mean, just that, how that kind of attention and the, uh, So she was instrumental in introducing me to to the stadium because she brought the public relations people, followed the cheerleaders. And the the stadium had such bad PR at the time that the PR guy said, maybe we should match up for Chickie and Pete's. They have good PR. We have bad PR. They have food. Lisa, can you get get us in touch with your boyfriend? You know, or can you can you introduce us to the thing? And then uh, we were we were. We were dating at the time, you know, and, uh, that's how it happened. So it was good to have a cheerleader around.
0: Absolutely. Amazing stories. And now you're in so many stadiums and so many places all across the country, the yeah. you know, number one sports bar in the country. You know, I remember, you know, seeing you in uh, Minneapolis at the super bowl with the Eagles and Patriots game. And where you had your stand and you were just holding court there, it was, it was a sight to be seen. You know,
1: One of the proudest moments of my life was, of course, winning the Super Bowl, just being an Eagles fan and and being involved with the Eagles, which we're we're a proud partner now. Um, Well, I was a proud partner when they won. But the proudest thing was the NFL called me and said, we have when every two teams are in a Super Bowl, we take a food from each city and we bring it. To the state, and we and you have to operate there in in Minneapolis. You'll have to operate there. We're bringing, we're choosing crab fries from Philadelphia. I was like blown away. But you would think it would be a cheesesteak, right? And we're bringing from Boston Legal Seafood, and they have their clam chowder and clam strips. I don't want to say anything, but. Crab fries are clam strips. You know, I, I'm already at advantage, right? So as you go into the stadium, you saw me. I had two orders of crab fries in my hand. I'm standing it by stand because it's a contest. And who sells more? You know? So not only are the teams competing on the field, and nothing i want to do more than beat the Patriots, right? They beat us the time before that. They cheated. I'm, not, I'm over it almost. I'll never be over it. But so I have the two orders of crab fries, and I'm sh- – Pete from Chicken and Pizza's here. And I'm like, yeah, crab fries. Where can I get them? And I'm pointing to our stand. Well, I'm not saying to so our side, the line was 100 people. Their side, the line was, there was no line. So I they start selling my stuff out of their side. Okay. Um, now they give it to give him credit, you know, they, they have a great place and great products, and they're a very good restaurant. And, but their owner wasn't there. It didn't matter that much to him because they're always in the Super Bowl, I guess, you know? We're first time, or second time, rather. So I get there and uh, I start selling craft fries. We outsell them 80 to one. 80 to one. Within two weeks of the game being over, first of all, I won that. I won the game, right? The celebration is crazy. I, I win the game between me and, Legal seafood, and then Minnesota calls us, the, the the stadium calls us and says, "Listen, we saw the success of the crab fry. Is there any way you would be consider putting them in here for good?" So till this day, we're still selling crab fries in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at Vikings games.
0: That's an awesome story, really, really incredible, and it was it was just so it was so surreal seeing you and your friends. So many others just out there, you know, selling and and just everyone was just so happy. That was even before the game. and Then afterwards, I you know was going to be there. They
1: came in and here, all of a sudden, this is the way I watch an Eagles game with order of crab fries. Now I have it. Now I feel comfortable. And and by the way, all my other Philadelphia people there it was a sea of green in front of that stand. It was wonderful. One of the greatest days of my
0: life. That, that's you certainly put yourself in the middle of the of the Philly sports scene now. You know, you're across, you know, so many other, you know, schemes across the country within sport. Are there any sort of any different athletes or other people that you've become close with that have been that have become friends or or business associates that have really helped you grow the the brand of, of Chickies and Pete's across the, the country?
1: There's many athletes that approach me and uh and I'm not going to say their names, but there are many athletes that approach me. And I, if I, if I think I need it, I'm going to go to them to uh, to expand with those guys. Um, you know, they see the success of Chickie and Pete's. A lot of the athletes are from Philadelphia, or from Philadelphia area, area. But I became very friendly with so many. You know, it's, the sad part is they come and they go. You know, you become friends with these guys. And they come and they go. In fact, uh, Jason Peters called me yesterday. It's his birthday on Friday. And he's like, can I get a room? You know, I need a room. <laughs> you know, we're say no to him. <laughs> he's a giant. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of rules and regulations he's going to have to follow if we do. But it's just like, you, you know, they're, I have my cell phone. My wife goes, who's calling? You go, listen, I'm going to take it. It's Andy Reid. i got going to take this. It's So Chip Kelly, I'm going to take this. It's great. It's great because in, in the world, in the real world, where I came from, from the beginning of this story that we got into today, I'm a zero. You know, I'm I'm a guy who works for his father in, in, in a grocery store with no education, and I have, and I have a personality. I guess that's about all I have to work with. And to now, I have coach, head coaches calling me. I have football players calling me, basketball players, calling, every sport, hockey, and I'm able to. To expand this little tiny corner bar, the odds of that happening to open up this place that wins the best sports bar in North America, best sports bar in the country, I'm so fortunate. And it's it's the staff that I have, my team members, and the way they rally around it, the way they believe in the products. It's not me. It's not me. I'm the guy who looks out the window and... And and daydreams and comes up with ideas like putting seasoning on potatoes. But I don't execute. These guys execute. My my staff, my team executes. The guys I have around me execute. You know, the luck of having the wife, the the, the, the cheerleader, all these things have to fall into place to really make it from where I'm coming from. So I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at today. And and again and I'm getting a review by you, Wayne. I mean, think the guys from Northeast High School are getting in interviewed by Wayne Kimmel. Come on.
0: Well, well, thank you, and it, it really is—it really is an honor to have you, Pete. Joe. I mean, look, chickies and pizzas is—it's it, it, just part of the overall culture and fabric of Delphi and now all across the country. You know, the expansion that you've done, and I was talking with you know, with Roger the other day, and were, we were talking about what you're doing in Las Vegas now. Uh, yeah, talk about the expansion all across the country.
1: Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're moving uh, – you know, this has slowed us up a little bit this year, of course. But uh, we've taken a look. We're, – we're trying to take on this sports betting. And as we see, what do we know about sports betting? Everybody who bets sports watches sports. It's the same person. There's some people who watch sports and don't bet, okay, But everyone who bets watches. So Vegas saw that and said, we're going to bring you out there. And we're going to be in in Vegas. And we're going to be the first sports bar with a sports book inside the sports bar. So it fills two voids. You know, it it helps me from keeping my customers from getting up and walking to a sports book. And it stops them from having to build sports book with all these TVs because <clears throat> they could just come in my place. So it's, it's a great, it's a, it's a very interesting time in, in my business.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's, look, it's, it's really exciting to see what you've done again, how you've taken, you know, the, the, the world of the, being a restaurateur, bar owner, sports bar owner, you know, bringing that in with the within within the sports world, just being so connected. I mean, just walking into any of your stores, you see the pictures of you, and as you said, head coaches and athletes and politicians and business people. I mean, everyone knows Pete, and that's why we're so glad to have you wow. on, on our show. Most um, of
1: them I wish they didn't know me, but it's good.
0: <laughs> well, you know, let's, let's just, you know, you, you touched on this a little bit, you know, earlier to talk about what it helped, you know, some of the things that helped you become successful. You talked about your team. You know, we talk about that a lot on our Seven Capital Leadership Series about how it's important to have a great team, how it's important to, you know, be incredibly passionate like you are and be driven and have that incredible desire to make things happen. And, and that's one of the, you know, the, you know, we, we such interesting parallels between, the world of sports, which is the same kind of, you need those same kind of traits to be successful, but you need those same kind of traits to be successful in business because no one's just going to give it to you. No one's just going to come in and give you money. You really got to work for it. You got to fight for it. And you got to be be really special. So, you know, what are, what were some of your experiences in around, you know, really building this business when, you know, there were others that wanted to be the number one sports bar in, in America, but you've been able to do that.
1: Well, um, there's no one thing as you can only figure out, but it's one of the things that might have helped me was having no previous experience or past experience in a restaurant. So I didn't know what I was doing. I had no I had nowhere to go but up. I mean, this place was that I had taken over was like just literally a smoke haven, you know. And um, it was it was good to to try to learn. I mean, I was I was a one man show. I used to cook, bartend, and be the waiter. I did all three jobs. I was one person. So, as I had to hire people, I wasn't a boss. I I didn't know how to be, like a manager. I mean, I really didn't know what I was doing. So, that's a difficult thing to teach yourself, you know, to become a manager. And uh, we all need management, and we need teams. So I looked always looked at it as coaching. And and, and you have to coach. You're a coach. So you're coaching your managers. Your managers are coaching your team. You know, the coaching, I'd like to say, listen, Tiger Woods is the greatest, right, of all time, right, golfer. He travels with a coach everywhere, trainer. So no matter how, football players, you don't think that. Aaron Rodgers knows what to do. He knows what to do. he still has a coach. Tells him what to do every day and rides him every day. And the coaches on him, they almost sleep with these guys. And even yourself, Wayne, you're driving down 95, right? You're going 75, 80 miles an hour, 75 miles an hour. You know the speed limit's only 55. But, yeah, yeah, who's looking, right? You're going to cheat a little bit. And everybody will do this. And you'll cheat. Just and you could just, you could you could kill yourself by going too fast. You can cause another kind of accident. You can get a ticket to make your insurance go up. And you're still willing to take that chance. But then you see a cop. And you see the cop out of your corner of your eye. What do you do? You take your foot off the gas, right? You hit the brake. Hope he doesn't see your brake lights. And you go slow. So what's the cop? The cop's a coach. He's the life coach for Wayne Kimmel. We all need somebody over us telling us. Uh, Me, at my stage of the game, I don't have anybody over me now, but I have people that are with me, you know, Roger that you spoke of, the Joe Carpinellos, that I'm able to share my thoughts with and make decisions before I make the decision. You know, so I think coaching – Um, And if you look at a a, a team and you look at business, they're extremely similar. They're almost identical because, yes, if you walk out of your store and let some people just run away with it, they'll do whatever they want. Because even if somebody like you, Wayne, will, will go faster than 55, taking all those chances, so will somebody else. Let me take this bottle or let me. Let me not be nice to this customer. You have to be there. You really have to be there. And if you're only one person like me, you have to develop a team and team members that will carry on what you believe and the way you would like it to be done. So sports and sports and business, to me, are the same.
0: Well, that's very well said. And when you think about that and I think about business and think about where, where the world is today. pandemic. think about, yeah.
1: about speed a little bit, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I, I got to slow down. Now. Um, but I mean, but in business, look, in a business situation, you are you're taking that risk. You're trying to do something that other people have never before. So right. you know, when you think about what's next in the business world for you, Pete, and for, for Chickies and Pete's, you know, do you you think there's, what are some of the things that you're thinking about that are the next, next thing that are going to be happening within the the restaurant world?
1: Well, I think um, one of the things from before that I didn't finish was that I forgot to bring up was, you know, having the products, having the products that no one else has. Okay. I could take you into 25, 30 bars in Center City right now. You're going to see Brussels sprouts, uh, pork belly, and smelly. But, you know, not that that's bad stuff. I'm just saying it's a similar menu. We have things that we own, like crab fries. We are the only ones who serve a lobster pizza, white lobster. I was on Oprah. I was on Oprah years ago because of the white lobster pizza and the crabs. So you have to come up with the thing that's unique to you and then do it well and continue to do it well. Lobster cheesesteak. Who makes not, lob- nobody else makes a lobster cheesesteak. Nobody else makes crab fries. Nobody else makes white lobster pizza. These are things that make people love chicken pizza. Like yourself, when you had your, your, was it your 25th birthday there?
0: It was a <laughs> 40th, right?
1: I can't believe that. Yeah, I know it was your 40th. I trying to cut you a break. But, Thank um, you. Thanks.
0: That was That's a great in itself. When my wife threw me that party, that was incredible. And I, I'm never coming up to me. You came up to me before the party and you said, you know, I put on my jacket to get dressed. There was like these cop Secret Service walking around here. What, what was that all about? You know, or earlier today to check the place out, if you remember.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. Well, you know, sometimes very important people come in there and they have to come in first. And they thought you were coming in, Wayne. So I said, that's not Jimmy Kimmel, Wayne Kimmel. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's the more important one, Wayne. He's got more money. So anyway, this is the way that, that to keep your, you, you got to keep what you are true to yourself. So inventing products, getting into the sports more with the betting, trying to get establish ourselves in that gambling part um, and trying to, trying to, States like true, like some guys like myself, they get there's so, like I have a sports bar, right? So they start going out to eat at like these real expensive restaurants and they starts start going to, uh, Steven Starr and this and that. And, uh, they go to these other restaurants, which are very good. They're excellent. And they, they all of a sudden want to become them. Okay. And like Michael Schulzer, Michael Schulz is tremendous right? But I got to remember who I am. I'm Pete from Chicken Pete's. I'm sure Michael, if you asked him, he'd say, I love Chicken Pete's. And I would say, I love Giuseppe's, And I love all your places. So, you know, so, but you got, but you have a problem in, the, in, in my industry where people are their own problem because they decide that they don't want to be who they are anymore. Because now they have more money, so they go to better places. And I go here now, I go there now. Oh, I like it there. I, maybe I should start putting sushi on my menu. It happens. And then people dig a hole. And they then it ruins their business because they want to be something they're not. You know, it does, you know, in, in places like then you can go to the other end of the spectrum, like Chipotle. It's Chipotle. You know what it is? They're, they're not saying I'm gonna sell they the owner of Chipotle might go to a couple fancy restaurants you want to start selling sushi, that doesn't work. Stay with who you are. And that's the way the business, if you want to stay in business, if you're successful, don't forget who you are. The industry is going digital. Um, I think I think uh, getting employees to work for you, getting team members to come on board is difficult. We're fortunate because we're Chickie and Pete, so people know. We have 401Ks and and health benefits and all that stuff. So some other places, some mom and pop, they want to get get cash. I mean, a lot of these services want to eat, want to get cash. and Just work in some corner place, not be on the books and do that. So I think as technology becomes big, that'll help our industry. And I just think all the people that we have today, we're fortunate to keep, keep getting more people the same, you know, through having a popularity. But we're also, a lot of these places are going to close after this uh, pandemic. The government's helping people out, but, you know, they're going to close and, and then people are going to buy them and they're going to try to reopen because there are people making money, not necessarily in my business, but in other businesses. So, they'll, you know, I'm sure they want to put their name on a place and call it, Wayne and Shirley's or something who
0: knows Oh, well, I think Kimby my wife I mean, but not, we're not we're not doing that that's not our business that's your it's right. so excited to have you on our show well, you know, we're, we're you really let me grace the stage
1: with so many famous people you had my buddy Joe Asher on last week or a couple of weeks ago my man love that guy and a lot of other people so I'm I'm, I'm really honored like I said, little Northeast Philly guy to get on your show. I, I, I love it. This podcast is important. Thank you for having me. And don't forget, luck is key.